0: Ashley, your host of Holy Media. The past few months, I've been playing with the idea of mini episodes to come out in between the full length monthly shows. I would love to have people write in questions, and these questions can be about past episodes, specific representations of religion in the media, or even a religious literacy question like What is Taoism? Using these questions, I hope to produce very brief 5 to 15 minute episodes so that you all have something to listen to while I work on the main feature for the month. So send your questions in to holymedia at gmail.com, or use the contact form at holymedia.com. What follows is the first mini-episode of Holy Media, and it's not the typical format. It's actually also not that mini. (laughs) But after the election, I felt releasing the November episode entitled American Scripture— felt a little strange. Instead, I asked myself, what, if anything, do I have to say about this presidential election? So this first mini-episode is the answer. Over the last week, I've wrestled with whether or not to offer a response to our nation's presidential election. Many people have spoken out. Some have expressed their discontent and fear, while others have breathed a sigh of relief and felt a resurgence of hope. The existence of such disparate responses to an election, though, is not new. Every time, there are groups who feel hopeful and groups who fear the future. But this presidential election, the opposing feelings of despair and hope have been magnified. We have unveiled the deep rifts dividing this country socially, economically, and ideologically. The usual rhetoric of unity post-election may not superficially unify this time. And so I've hesitated to speak. I've hesitated because I fear anything I have to say will only contribute to widening the chasm in this country that has so clearly been revealed by this election. I know there are listeners of this show who voted for Clinton, Trump, and third-party candidates. And you know what? That's fantastic. Holy Media's mission is not to be political, though some politics and views, those of my guest and my own, do get expressed on occasion. But Holy Media is a show that's supposed to engage people in a topic that many wouldn't approach without a little encouraging. Religion is a topic important to me, and holy media is my attempt to get others just as excited about the various ways religion exists in society. And you know what that entails? Listening to everyone. Striving to understand the situations and arguments of even those people I wildly disagree with. Throughout my young career in the worlds of religious studies, journalism, and media studies, I've been a part of difficult conversations. Have you ever tried explaining Buddhism to a fundamentalist Christian whose only response is, but what about Jesus, their Lord and Savior? Have you ever heard an interfaith couple explain how both of their families have disowned them because they chose love over religious divisions? Or have you sat across the table from someone who believes you're going to hell because you don't ascribe to one religious tradition or, more importantly, you don't follow their religion. But those uncomfortable conversations are nothing compared to the acts of hate witnessed following our election. The fact that the Anti-Defamation League, founded in 1913 to fight anti-Semitism, had to release a statement on November 9th about the appalling appearance of a swastika and the phrase Sig Heil 2016 painted on a storefront in Philadelphia is devastating. On the same day, a reporter for CBS North Carolina reported that someone sprayed black lives don't matter and neither does your vote on a wall in Durham. In Wellsville, New York, the Buffalo News and the Southern Poverty Law Center report a wall was graffitied with a swastika and the expression make America white again. Muslim friends and colleagues are reporting their concern for their safety. Their family members abroad have asked them not to speak Arabic. Women are afraid to wear the hijab. And who can blame them when there are reports of some women on college campuses having people attempt to forcefully remove their head coverings? So, Why do I bring up these horrible, hateful acts on a show about religion and media? Because I want us to use our media, the walls, the storefronts, social media, protests, our voices, even our own bodies, to demonstrate attempts at understanding of difference. Use our vast ways of communicating, to reflect, to learn, and most importantly, to converse with those who are different than you. Remember those uncomfortable conversations I mentioned? Well, those conversations made me grow as an individual. They made me question my assumptions about others. They made me recognize my own biases. They exposed me to worldviews and ideas I may not agree with, but will respect with graciousness. So here's my response to the election. It's a story about a young girl who, by listening and learning and attempting to be patient, shifted her anger, frustration, and despair into acceptance and appreciation for the differences that make humans and cultures fascinating. It's a story about a girl who developed a love for the power of a cup of tea a respectful conversation, and a willingness to learn from others. This story doesn't have a happy ending. This story doesn't have a solution. But this story is hopefully a reminder that when we feel scared, angry, or confused, experience those feelings, understand them, But do not make snap judgments or decisions because of those feelings. Communicate. But remember, communication isn't just about expressing yourself. It's about granting others the space to express themselves too. Hearing them and taking the time to understand them. And now, the story. If you're still with me, thank you. Thank you because this is my story. In trying to figure out how to respond to the variety of post-election emotions out there, I didn't know what to say. How to acknowledge all the fear, hurt, relief, anger, and so on felt by both sides. And how to reply without coming across as another millennial, another white girl, another feminist, Another, insert identity category disliked by someone here. And how to speak without overlooking my various privileges. So I decided that speaking for myself, about myself, is the best way. Because my experience is my story. It's my sliver of the national experience. It's my fraction of the American identity. So grab a coffee, a tea, a beer, a whiskey, or a glass of wine, because folks, I'm about to answer in full the question I always get asked. Why do you study religion? The short answer? Because at one point I hated religion. But that's not where this story starts. This story starts in 1998, in metro detroit and to tell the beginning of the story i'm actually going to read the essay i wrote for my college application at 17 entitled an uncompromising compromise On the outside of a large, beautiful Catholic church facing Woodward Avenue in metropolitan Detroit is a 28-foot limestone crucifix. Beneath this looming crucifix stands a young girl mesmerized by its enormity. Her eyes blink quickly, if at all, for fear of missing a single detail of Jesus's body on the cross. This fourth grade girl leans over to whisper in her friend's ear, I want to be a nun. Those six words have remained a secret from everyone except that childhood friend and my parents for the past nine years. Thankfully, I kept my fourth grade desire a secret, because those words are a contradiction to the beliefs I currently hold. As I matured, it became more difficult to blindly accept other people's truths. By questioning what I learned in my Christian Sunday School, I realized that one teaching contradicted another, and that I was not content with the answers I was given. My attendance at a Catholic school during this time gave me access to numerous people I could ask questions about religion, such as nuns and my theology teacher. However, my search turned up one incomplete answer after another, and I became increasingly discontented. My discontent led me to start reading the Bible, which furthered my dissatisfaction and was an act thankfully that mirrored my future methods of inquiry. But a year and a half after declaring my desire to enter a nunnery, I quietly abandoned that desire. Then, at the time of my grandmother's death, any connection I held with religious precepts vanished from the beliefs I held. The frustration that resulted from grappling with the whys of her death flooded my mind and presented questions of a greater complexity involving the concept of life, which I could not answer. However, I did not admit to being an atheist, because I knew others might view me as ignorant and intolerant towards religion, so I would openly say I was agnostic. As the initial frustration of my grandmother's death subsided, I began to study different religions with the hope of pursuing knowledge and discovering a religion that might be able to satisfy my questions. My visits to Buddhist and Hindu temples, mosques, and synagogues expanded my knowledge beyond the texts I read about the religion's main precepts. My passion for history was also satisfied by my self-guided exploration. But as I looked into the past, I came to the cynical realization that religion was a motivating cause behind a vast number of deaths. With events such as the Inquisition, burning of heretics by England's Queen Mary I, the Crusades, and the killings of Buddhists in Tibet, I could not fathom how anyone believed religion was moral. It was then that I stopped my search for the perfect faith, and my disquiet with religion and death returned. I could not bring myself to align with ideas that caused great divisions around the globe. I would eagerly express my belief that established religions divided people while they preached unity. It seemed to me to be the perfect hypocrisy that religions taught people to love thy neighbors, but lashed out against neighbors who held different convictions. After a great deal of reflection though, I realized that by standing against all forms of established religion, my actions were no different than those who created divides by not remaining open to differing opinions. It seemed apparent that I needed to expand my knowledge of religions beyond history and their main creeds, and begin to explore the cultures and the people who were associated with them. As I renewed my exploration, I became enthralled with the different customs and cultures associated with each religion. With this newfound openness, I began to feel I could agree and hold true certain ideas from these faiths. The idea of spirituality interested me and led me to devise my own faith. I called it my way. And as a middle schooler, I crafted my way to blend my different interests into a conglomerate of beliefs. I can still recall sitting in my room thinking about how an anthropologist would study my way. Perhaps they would discuss the interesting pop culture aspect involving the force from Star Wars, or maybe the dedication to nature my way evoked by encouraging earth friendly living. Yet whether an anthropologist would note my way's connection to Christianity or Zen Buddhism, it seemed that after my disenchantment with religion, I had finally found a way to separate a history of violence from the principles to which I felt connected. Now, at the age of 17, my way no longer exists. I have found a different way to remain open-minded and spiritual. Questioning and remaining curious about other cultures, their beliefs, and the universe maintains this connection. I may no longer desire to be a nun or hold a religious affiliation, but I still connect to the little fourth-grade girl who stood in awe at the beauty of faith outside a church off of Woodward Avenue. That little girl's need to belong to something larger than herself, her desire to understand people, and her craving for a passion of convictions continues to exist in her now 17-year-old mind. At the time I wrote that essay, I had no idea I would major in religious studies. My plan was to actually major in political science and become a diplomat. And I had no clue that I would become active in the interfaith community or that I'd later defend the beliefs I once despised. And it wasn't even a seed of an idea that almost a decade later, I would be a published author writing on religion and still studying how our society engages with religious people and their beliefs. Who knew that by refusing to dwell in bitterness, cynicism, and anger, I would actually fall in love with the topic of religion rather than continue to dislike it? Who knew that by transforming discontent and frustration into curiosity and compassion, I would open the door to my career? As I said before, this story doesn't have a happy ending. Violence and hateful acts are still done in the name of religion. I still struggle with reconciling the beauty of compassion and the ugliness of hate. But I'm happy this story doesn't have a happy ending. Because then I'm not complacent. Because in remaining uncomfortable, I'm reminded to listen, to learn, and to explore. Because when I become complacent, I'm more likely to overlook those who feel unsafe, scared, and unheard. And I think that's what this election has revealed. Most of us have overlooked some population in this country, whether it's people of color, religious minorities, immigrants, women, the LGBT community, or the white working class. There are unheard voices that have demanded to be heard this election. So I'm going to take a lesson from my 17-year-old self and try to listen. I will do my best to be compassionate, gracious, loving, and accepting of all. If you have a story to tell, I will listen. If you need a hug, I can provide it. Because to me, No one won this election cycle. And because the first step to mending the growing rifts we've clearly been ignoring will be to communicate, to talk, and to listen outside our comfortable ideological bubbles. So let's go have those uncomfortable conversations. Thank you for listening to this mini-episode of Holy Media in response to the 2016 presidential election. The pre-scheduled show for November will air by Thanksgiving, so please return to hear the first installment of a new series on American Scripture. My guest and I will be discussing the American novel. Until then, stay strong, stay compassionate, and go have an uncomfortable conversation.